0: So many times, we just ignore, we just ignore the activity that is taking place in our lives. This is how some people treat Satan. Satan's not in my life, he's nothing around me, and you know I'm not charismatic, I'm very conservative. But there are times in our lives when we go, no, that's not, that's not really anything that we could say that the devil is doing in my life. And yet, when we read this word adversary, we are talking about someone who is actively and continuously hostile towards someone, and that's you and that's me. Satan is alive and well. One day, he'll pay. But in the meantime, he wants to destroy not only the church, but he wants to destroy our lives. And we have to be careful with that. And we go to the next word. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The next word is devil. And that word is "diabolus." Do you know what we get from the word "diabolus"? We get our English word diabolical. When we think about diabolical, I think about movies where you've got this evil person that is planning and calculating, and that's the way Satan is. How can I get John to do this? And by the way, if you think that you're protected, you are, you are, in in a sense, you're protected. But think about Job. Think about Job. Satan went to God and said, God, if you take everything away from him, he will not worship you. And God said, okay, the only thing you can't do is you can't kill him. Do you know what happened to Job's life? Oh, my gosh. He lost everything. But in it, Job kept his faith in God. And see, here's, here's, here's the central issue. The central issue is Satan is behind the scenes calculating how he can get you to move away from God and become less effective for the kingdom of God. That's fact. Diabolus, diabolical. We are in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. I like what D. Edmund Hebert says here. The second term, diabolus, which is in the Septuagint, used to translate the Hebrew term Satan, means slanderer. This is key. One who knowingly and deliberately advances false charges against God and his people. Do you think God's really going to take care of you? Do you think God really cares about your pain? Satan. No, he doesn't. Oh, Satan's been around a long time, folks. He's mastered the craft. Surely, God doesn't want you to eat from from the tree of knowledge of good and evil because in the day that you eat it, you will be like God, knowing Satan is a master. Satan is diabolical, diabolus. He comes to you in the weakness of your faith and says, God has abandoned you. He comes to you in times of peril and he goes, where is God? And Satan will come to you in your weak moments and sometimes even in your strong moments. Can you really stop yourself from doing this? What will really happen? You're saved. Go ahead and do it. Satan is alive and well. And he focuses on you because he opposes everything that is God's. Satan's main problem was he wanted to be God. Did you know Satan was the most beautiful angel? And he wanted to take over the throne and God said, no, I'm God. And so, Satan is diabolical. He plans little schemes. Oh, brothers and sisters, in 33 years of pastoral ministry, I've seen a lot of schemes carried out to perfection by the people of God. I've seen churches destroyed because of pride. I've seen people's lives destroyed because of this, that, or the other. And I, and, I, and I look at it, and I, I get mad, not at the person, but I get mad at the influence who was behind it. We are not to love Satan. We are not to take pleasure in doing things that are opposed to the kingdom of God. Now, he goes on here, your adversary, the devil, prowls around, pari parto, that means to walk around, to go about. I tell you what, if I'm out in the wilderness one day and I see this, I know I'm in deep trouble. <laughs> Unless I've got a shotgun. I remember one time, you, you guys and gals know I like Survivor Man, Les Stroud. Uh, he, was, he was in India and he says, I'm going to be in India and I'm going to be in the middle of lion country. And he spent the first two nights in this tower. There was no door. And he's looking at the camera and he goes, if something comes up here, I'm in trouble. (laughs) And he survived, but he was nervous. He said, I've got to get over my nervousness. But this is a picture of Satan. And by the way, God is also compared as a lion. So I think there's a deception here. There's a deception. If you take the easy way, God will understand. Just take this way and and go that way. It's okay. That's because Satan is a master deceiver. He can make something seem so right when it is so wrong. And he can do that in our lives just like that. You say, well, how can Satan be everywhere? Well, how can God be everywhere? God lives in us. By the way, Acts 1, eight, the Holy Spirit comes in your life. He dwells in you. Now you go out and be witnesses. So to deny that, Satan, that, to deny that Satan is not active in your life is to play right into the hands of Satan himself. Because if you don't think he's active, you don't have anything to worry about. I've noticed this over my years of pastoring. Do you know who Satan mostly deals with? He mostly goes after those who are really living. Christians who are drifting or non-effective, why should he worry about them? He's got bigger fish to fry. And the bigger fish is those who are serving and seeking to do God's will. He's a prowling lion. He's prowling around, seeking Zeto. This is, di- this is diabolical within itself. To try to learn the, lo- the location of something. I'm just reading you the Greek translation. Often by movement from place to place in the process of searching. Trying to look into something. So as Satan moves about in our lives, he's going, where can I get Pastor Mike to stumble? Where can I get Tony to stumble? To error. Where can I get Mike to stumble? And he's proud, he's looking into this very intently because he hates God. He hates Christ. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself off this temple and the angels will get you. You think you think Satan doesn't tempt us? Oh yeah. He does. And do not give the devil a foothold. This is the verse before it says, do not sin in your anger. Do not give the devil a foothold. A foothold is something like this. Because when he has a foothold in your life, you can't move about the way that you want. You know, I I don't know. This may be one of the most important sermons I've preached in quite a while. And it's good to be brought back to this. It's good I had to wrestle with this. Do you think... Satan is alive and well in America today? I need a cup of coffee. You notice how godless our culture has become? I don't want to get political here because I think some of the some of the Republicans are just as bad as the Democrats. The fact is that our culture is becoming more and more anti-Christian day by day. You do realize they are coming for the pulpit. They are going to be coming for this pulpit, not this, but for me. Then it's just a step to get you. There is things happening in our culture. The church cannot remain silent. We must begin to pray to the God who can change things. Satan is having a field day. And I think of these people that are living on the streets. Satan's laughing with delight. Bye bye, Miss American Pie. That's often quoted from this pulpit, but yeah. And his ultimate goal has not changed since the beginning to devour katapino, katapino. That means to cause complete and sudden destruction of someone or something. What does Satan want? He wants you and I to fail, brothers and sisters. He wants you and I to stop serving God. He wants you and I to start living selfish lives. He wants you and I to not really care about spiritual things. And when that happens, Satan's got us, diabolic. diabolus, diabolical. So that's Satan. What can we do as a body of Christ? What can we do as Christians? We must resist. We must resist. Stand firm. Verse 9. I need to start making my notes bigger so I don't have to wear these glasses all the time. But stand firm. Resist him. Firm in the faith. There's the target. Faith. Pistees. And I'll get to that in a second. First thing he says is resist him. It is okay to shout at the devil to get out of your life. The word resist sometimes used as being hostile towards something. But here resist means to oppose or rebel or to set oneself against something. The idea of resistance is very clear. It is okay to rebel against Satan. It is okay to take your stand and say, Satan, I will not let you win in this area of my life. When you, you sense Satan and his activity, you just stand there and you go, you know what, Satan, I'm not going to do that because... I am going to live for God and I love him with my life and with my heart and I am going to follow him. Therefore, I rebuke you in the name of me. No, in the name of Jesus Christ. Firm. Steros. Steros. It sounds like steroids, but... Pertaining to being firm and steadfast in one's attitudes or beliefs. Interesting, that word firm comes just before the faith. The real issue is, well, I don't want to go there yet, but I do want to give you this. To stand firm in the presence is a military term. I love it. I love it. As a definite act, Christians should take a solid stand in opposition to the devil as their true enemy. We do not invite the devil in, we kick him out. What would happen today if you went home and before you went into the door, you said, Lord, I want you to make this place a place that fears God and shuns the devil. What if you said, in the midst of your children, those of you that are watching, what if you said, in the midst of your family, I am going to ask for God's protection, and Lord, I pray that you bind Satan in in this home, and in the lives of my children and my family. What if you did that? Let me ask you a question. Have you done that? Is it something that... We just, and it's easy. I know it's easy for us just to get up. It's Monday. By the way, pastors have a horrible time on Monday. I'll just tell you that. That's why I like taking Mondays off, so I can be horrible by myself. (laughs) Because you work all week up to Sunday, and it's, for me, it's the Super Bowl. And I get to preach, on Monday's like, (sighs) and you know what? That's usually when I'm at my most vulnerable. We need, to get a re, we need to recapture the idea that Satan is alive and well. And then we have to acknowledge it. And I'm telling you, as your pastor, push back. Just say no. I'm not going to do that. You know what? I'm not going to do that because God says I'm not supposed to do that. And therefore, I'm not going to let you have a stronghold, a foothold in my life. I'm going to push back. Faith. Peace I know we talk about this a lot, Southern Baptist. I've been a Southern Baptist quite a long time. And we're really good at sharing the Gospel. Newt Larson said you should always share the Gospel in every sermon, so this is it. You must acknowledge your sin before God. You must repent of that sin. You must invite Christ into your life. And the reason you do that is because Christ was triumphant on the cross. He paid for that sin. So that sin's done. And when you confess your sin and invite him into your life, he becomes your Lord and Savior. And at that moment, you become an enemy of Satan. You know that? At that moment. I don't mind sharing this. It's been... Well, too many years ago, I remember getting saved when I was out in the field, on a field training exercise. I was a young guy, uh, actually saved against all odds, because they say after the age of 18, it's almost impossible for people to get saved. Did you know the uh, statistics on that? Well, I got saved, and I was excited, and I got back to the barracks, and I fell into the Friday night crowd. I was going back out to the bars, running around. But as I was sitting there, I knew it wasn't right. And so eventually, God put me where I needed to be. I had no idea what would unfold over the next so many years. Satan is after your faith. That's the real point. He wants your faith to be fickle. He wants you to stop trusting God. He wants you to start getting angry at God. He wants you to stop attending church. He wants you to do all of those things. And why does he want you to do that? Because he hates you. He doesn't like you. I know we like to be liked. But it's okay not to be liked by that one. Right? How do we strengthen our faith? Let me give you some practical ways. Number one, trust God. Don't allow Satan to lie to you. I'm going to tell you something as your pastor today. Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, they all love you. They, they care for you. You can trust him. Even when it looks like he has failed. God is never late. We are always early. Oh, there's been so many times i failed that one. Where are you? You been there? Really, God? This right here? Really? That's exactly what Satan wants. Trust God. Nail it down. Just say from today, right now, in this hour, in this moment, I am going to trust God with my life, and I'm not going to deviate that. Write this down, screaming, Pastor Mike said it here, trust God. Write it down, and don't ever forget it. And I don't care how dark it looks, I'm going to tell you, God can take what seems like tragedy and flip it to triumph. God's awesome that way, isn't he? Yeah. I would rather God speak to me in the sunshine than in the darkness, but in the darkness is where God can deliver us. You do realize Satan will not win. He will lose. Secondly, Pray, take time to ask God to give you strength, spiritual strength. And it could be somebody that's suffering. It could be anything along those lines. Just anything where you feel like your faith is weak, you can say, God, help my unbelief. Help me to have a strong faith. number 3 read scriptures isolate faith focused scriptures just type in strong faith go to open bible i think it's openbible.org just type in strong faith you have tons of scriptures come up Number four, live out that faith. Put into practice what God says. By the way, I remember... Oh, I can't remember which pastor it was. I'm having a mind block. But I know he said it. He said, when my feet hit the floor... He said, you should live your lives in such a way as when your feet hit the floor, Satan goes, "Uh uh-oh, he's awake. Let me remind us of this too. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not your next door neighbor, by the way. It's not the person you have big problems with. It's not flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Yeah, we don't have to be victims. Everybody's playing a victim today. We don't have to be victims. I want to tell you this morning that you are victors. You are victors by the blood of Christ. You are victors because of who you belong to. You are victors because we have the ultimate Savior. And someday we will see him. And it will be great. You, I don't want to sound charismatic, but you are winners. You are more than victors in Christ. That's it. We're conquerors, Jim. You called that right. Conquerors in Christ. That goes right along with that. We're conquerors. We're not, we're not defeated. We may lose a battle here and there, but we're not going to lose the war. The war is won. Can you imagine? Have you read Revelation? Do you see the end of that? The armies of against God are assembled and They're gone. Talk about a weapon of mass destruction. God. Yeah, we go through this tough stuff here. And by the way, suffering, last part. Oh, I want to hear about suffering, Pastor Mike. Tell me all about it, right? None of us like that, including myself. But notice what Peter writes, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. In Peter's day, it was suffering at the hands of the government. Oh, I, I, I think that's coming. Suffering for you and me at the hands of our family. Friends. Coworkers. Right? They, they don't get this Jesus stuff. But they need to. And the only way that they're going to get that is when the church goes out these doors and knows that Satan is working actively in the lives of unbelievers so that they will not obey the truth. In fact, Paul writes in Corinthians, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they should not obey the truth. So when you go into work, whenever you go, just realize When you say that you're a Christian, there's a target on your back. I experienced that in the Army firsthand. And it looked bleak. I told you that story a long time ago. It got so bad when we were in Hawaii, my lieutenant didn't like me, my staff sergeant didn't like me because I was vocal about my faith. And I'll be honest with you, I was weary. They put me in charge of every stinking detail they could. They took away Saturdays and Sundays. It got to the point, I, I learned a lot from this event it got to the point where I said, I am going to Florida for 30 days. I had many days saved up. Audrey, me, the girls were very little. We flew to Florida. I spent 30 days, and by the way, uh, we were in the field when my vacation started. And they, even though they had only been out there two days, they made me go to the field Which is unheard of, and they kept me out there till eleven fifty-nine. That's how bad they hated me. Here's the kicker: I I tell you, I was a young Christian and I was struggling. I'm not going to lie about that because he knows. I come back from Florida, and the one thing I'm thinking of on that plane ride back is, I got to do this again. I signed in at 11.59. I signed in at 11.59. The next morning, we're in formation. I'm looking around, and something looks different. Sergeant Frazier, Top wants to see you in his office, and so does the commander. And I'm like, okay. I go in there. And I report, and I'll never forget the company commander. He said, Sergeant Frazier, he said, we are putting you in charge of the platoon. We have relieved Lieutenant Judy, and Staff Sergeant White is no longer here. You are now in charge. I was shocked. What? Guess what? Do you know who was really worried? My fellow NCOs that used to riddle me and needle me. I went in front of the platoon. Platoon, attention! They all came to attention, and I said, parade rest. And I said, we've got to lay out all of our equipment. I have to sign for the platoon. One of the sergeants came up to me privately, Sergeant Frazier, you know I just went along with the crowd. I learned something there. Oh, I remember all of it. Walking in and in the sergeant's room and they're all looking at Playboy magazines and are holding them up to me, I, I remember. When I walked in and we had our first meeting, there was not one Playboy book to be found. But you know what? I believe in integrity. And I believe you do not use your position to harass. And I treated those soldiers and those E-5s under me the way I would want to be treated. I didn't lower myself and say, now that I'm in charge, it's a different game. I didn't do that. And God gave me a period. It was, it was like he said, okay, I know you can't take anymore. When you go to Florida and you take a break, when you come back, don't worry, I'll take care of it. I don't know why they were relieved. I have no idea. But I do know when I got back, it was like, because when I went into that office, I thought I was they were kind of drum, drum up charges on me. And Top said, we just had a problem, and it needed to be fixed. And I found out one of my soldiers later went. I had a lieutenant throw a weapon at me and hit me in the face. and I did not report it. I picked the weapon up and I said, thank you, sir. And it frustrated him. You know, if you strike a non-commissioned officer, even though you are an officer, you are subjected to Article 15 under Uniform Code of Military Justice. And I had witnesses. Yeah, all because, all because I was sharing the gospel with soldiers. Brothers and sisters, I will never forget that. So if you're in a bad spot right now, and life looks bleak, Don't give up. God's got this. You will be victorious. He lives and so do you in Christ. Don't ever let Satan take that away from you or think that the finish line is never going to be there and God's not there because he is. You will be victorious. And you need to trust that. There's a lion lurking. Please, this week, go out. Live for Jesus. And push back. Push back. Just say, Satan, I will not, not believe God.